Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. I've had a few questions from my listeners about how to address being non-binary and wanting to have a child. So guess what? We're going to talk about it on today's podcast episode. So for me, this episode is more so for my colleagues. Yep. For my fellow maternal fetal medicine doctors, my fellow OBGYNs, family medicine physicians, and other women's health providers, we really need to check ourselves and educate ourselves so that our patients can have healthy pregnancies. A past ACOG survey showed that about a quarter of non-binary individuals do not seek regular health care checkups. Do you know what that means? That means that they're not getting their wellness exams. They're not getting their yearly exams. That is a problem. And this is mostly due to factors such as fear of being outed to employers and fear of being stigmatized. Well, this lack of planning and wellness checkups can lead to unplanned pregnancies that can be complicated by untreated and undiagnosed health conditions. But can you imagine if somebody did not know that they had type 2 diabetes for a really long time and then all of a sudden they became pregnant? Well, you can see that your hemoglobin A1C, which is that number that tells us how well controlled your diabetes is, can be elevated, which can lead you down the direction of having poor control in pregnancy, having a baby with multiple fetal anomalies, um, and having other complications like preeclampsia and uh, at elevated blood pressure, even coma in pregnancy. So we have to break this stigma and find ways to maximize the preconception health of all of our patients. One of the best ways to do so is by understanding the following terms. That's sex, transgender, cisgender, and non-binary. So let's today, let's start there with those four terms. So sex, for example, is the presence of a specific anatomy at birth that identifies you biologically as male or female sex, okay? And gender, and we're not talking about phenotypically versus genotypically, okay? Because that's a different uh, conversation, but we're talking about the actual, what you were born with, the anatomy, meaning if you were born with a penis or a vagina at birth. Now, there are some people that are born with penises at birth that genetically may 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 be XX chromosomes, XX sex chromosomes, which genotypically are female. We're not going to get into that kind of detail today, okay? We're just talking about the anatomy. So for, for the conversation today, sex, we're talking about the specific anatomy that somebody's born with. Gender, gender is what we created, you guys. It's a social construct. So in transgender individuals, 
Gender identity does not align with sex assigned at birth. In cisgender individuals, gender identity aligns with sex assigned at birth. Okay, so we got it. Non-binary refers to individuals who do not identify with either sex assigned at birth. So let's be a little bit more sensitive and not make assumptions. Once you understand the patient's gender preference for transgender men, you should ask them if they would like to chest feed as opposed to breastfeed. Don't assume that they don't want that option just because they now identify as a man, especially if they've had a baby. Still ask them and counsel them about the risk and benefits of chest feeding versus bottle feeding. And just because you are treating a trans man, don't assume that they do not desire pregnancy at all. Because in my experience, some still do. And a lot of people have not gone through bottom corrective surgery and still have the capability of bearing children. So now that we've checked ourselves and know a little bit more about non-binary pregnancies, let's go to some cases and talk those out. Our first case is a 26-year-old trans woman who presents for preconception counseling. She has recently had gender reassignment surgery with creation of a neovagina. She is engaged to a cisgender man, and she would like to know her options for having a baby. Her OBGYN told her that there was no possible way for her to carry a child, but she seeks a second opinion. Okay, so in this case, we're, t- we're dealing with uh, a patient that's a trans woman. So realistically, we created a neo-vagina, but we did not create uterus and ovaries. And so in order to have a child of your own, there needs to be, uh, or let me say, carry a child of your own. There needs to be the ovaries and the uterus need to be there. And so, you know, unfortunately, you have very limited options. There are some studies and trials that are going on right now with uterine implants. Um, and so there are some trans women that can be candidates for that. And it really depends on everything else you got, you have going on. So that's whether you are, um, you have other health conditions, whether you're obese. So there's a whole list of factors that are taken into consideration about people that would be more successful in receiving the uterine transplant than others. And so um, I would encourage you to look up those studies and I will post those to the Facebook page. I know a lot of you guys follow on Instagram, but it is hard for me to post articles to Instagram. So I will post them to Facebook so that you can have um, these articles. And if you are interested in that, then you can seek out those institutions that may have these studies underway. But right now, it is very experimental. Um, uterine transplants are not the standard of care. And so um, your OBGYN, in one way, is, is not that it's impossible for you to carry a child, but it depending on everything else you go, have going on, if you're not a candidate for a uterine transplant, it may not be possible for you to personally carry a child. But there are options for you to have a baby, And so you could always have a gestational carrier or a surrogate and use your um, your fiance sperm and get an egg donor. Okay, and then that would be your child and somebody else can carry that child for you. Or you can even have a a family member act as your gestational carrier if you did not want to use a surrogate service. Now, I will say that surrogate services are usually a little bit more legal than using somebody like a family member 
meaning you could have somebody that's agreed to carry a child. So they're going to go through IVF for you. They may even donate their own eggs and it's fertilized by your fiance's sperm. But at the end of the day, until that paperwork is signed, the child still belongs to the carrier, okay? And so if you're using a friend or a family member, you have to be aware of those laws in the state um, that you're in. And there's some states that are a little bit looser on those laws, and there are some states that are a little stricter. If you go through an actual surrogate agency, um, then you have people that are very well um, well vetted. They have to go through psychological evaluations. Um, and that way, you know you're going to be using someone that's not at the last minute going to say, I don't want to give this child up to to the parents, right? The parents that have chosen to have the baby, which will be you. So you have a little bit more legal protection in that, that you've had to go through so much legal documentation and the gestational carrier has to go through so much psychological evaluation and you also don't know the person that is the surrogate either as opposed to being emotionally attached to a friend or family member that acts as a gestational carrier so i mean there are pros and cons to both using a surrogate can be a little pricier but there are programs that do fund them especially for transgender couples so you should look into those options as well And then if you're not looking for an actual gestational carrier or a surrogate or you don't want to go the IVF route um, and have someone else carry the child and you're not a candidate for any of the uterine transplant programs, then there's always adoption, right? So there are thousands upon thousands of children that need good families and adoption. People forget adoption as an option for building their family. My husband and I have always talked about eventually adopting a child. And if you've listened to the podcast before, if you've read the book already, you know that I've had a really difficult pregnancy with Harrison and I will never carry another child because I, you know, almost did not make it through my pregnancy. And because of that, um, we would probably adopt a child at some point in the future. Even if I had the rosiest pregnancy ever, um, I still know that there are a lot of children that need good homes. And so we would always opt. uh, We've always looked at um, opting to adopt um, a child. So that may be an option for you, adoption. So here are your options again, just recapped. There are certain programs that do do uterine transplants, but they are strict criteria and those programs take very few people. There have been successful pregnancies with uterine transplants um, in the United States. So you can look into those options. And like I say, I'll post those to my social media. Um, Two, getting a gestational or surrogate carrier. um, And that would mean that you would have to go through IVF. Your fiance could use uh, his sperm and you would get a donor egg. Or you could get donor sperm, okay, either or, or the third option being adoption. The case pearl is just because you don't carry a baby naturally doesn't mean you're not a mother. In any any of these options, if you're not a transplant candidate and you have to use a gestational carrier or you're adopting, it does not mean that you are not a mother. And then I don't know if before you had your gender reassignment and the creation of a neovagina, if you actually did do some sperm banking. And if, you, if that's the case, you could use your own sperm for in vitro fertilization and um, a gestational carrier, if that's the case. So that child would be genetically your child. But 
just because you're not naturally carrying a child does not mean that you're not a mother. All right, what's our second case? Our second case is a 31-year-old trans man who desires pregnancy. His OBGYN told him that because he's taking hormone injections weekly, this would not be possible despite the fact that he still has a uterus and ovaries. He was told to avoid getting pregnant even if it was possible because this could be harmful to the developing fetus. He presents for a second opinion. Okay, so a trans man that has not had gender reassignment surgery, meaning a bottom surgery, can still get pregnant. Um, I understand that uh, you're getting those weekly injections. So if you're getting weekly injections and you want to get pregnant, we usually do tell you to stop the weekly injections and you might have to get on medications to cause you to have normal ovulatory cycles. And that's if you want to um, naturally get pregnant, meaning you want to get pregnant via um, intrauterine insemination um, where sperm is, is inserted um, through this, basically through transvaginally through the cervix to get you pregnant and fertilized that way. Or you want to do IV, um, or if you don't want to do that naturally, you can get egg retrieval and do in vitro fertilization. And then an embryo is then implanted into your uterus. So it really depends on how you want to do things. But we usually either one would tell you to stop your weekly hormone injections, um, and allow for ovulation. Um, you need to allow for ovulation because we need to, if you do an in vitro fertilization, we need to do egg retrieval. So we need to make sure that we're able to retrieve eggs. And if you are doing IUI, well, then obviously you need to be ovulating regularly so that we can time your cycles and know when the right time is for IUI. And so that's a whole nother conversation because if you are a trans man, um, are you in a same sex relationship? What is your relationship status? So are you in a relationship with a cis man and are you going to uh, have vaginal intercourse? So that's a conversation or are you going to have IUI? Um, so we need to know those type of things to figure out how to get you pregnant. But if your question is, can you get pregnant? The answer is yes, you can get pregnant. And although we like to stop hormone injections, there are plenty of patients, I personally see them, that have gotten pregnant despite being on the their, um, their testosterone injections. So um, we don't like to continue those injections because they can virilize a developing fetus. So if you have a girl, it can cause clitoromegaly. And so we don't want to, um, you know, we don't want you to continue those. But if you get pregnant, we just stop the injections. And we've seen that um, trans men can have healthy pregnancies even if they accidentally get pregnant. So I'm not going to tell you you can't get pregnant because that would be a lie. You can. Um, I would stop your hormone injections if you're trying to plan for the safest way to get pregnant. And then if you're going to have natural intercourse, go ahead and have natural intercourse as soon as you're having regular monthly cycles. If you don't want to have natural intercourse um, and let's say you're in, um, you, know, you know, you're in a relationship with a woman, whether that's a trans woman or a cis woman, and you don't want to have sexual intercourse, then you may want to go the IUI or IVF route. I would go that route. OK, and then have a baby that way. And typically, prior to starting your injections, um, you would be offered what's called cryopreservation, meaning egg retrieval, so that we know those extra hormones that you're, you're given 
are not going to affect your ovaries or your eggs. But if you haven't done cryopreservation, that's okay too. I mean, you can get pregnant naturally by egg retrieval or naturally through intercourse and have a baby. Okay. So because this is not an absolute contraindication to pregnancy for the case pearl, trans men who have not had bottom corrective surgery can still get pregnant. You might require a referral to reproductive endocrinologists if um, hormonal regulation of your period is required, meaning you're not having normal monthly cycles and you want to get pregnant through intercourse naturally, or if you want to get pregnant via intrauterine insemination or IVF with embryo transfer, a reproductive endocrinologist would be the person that uh, would be able to assist you in doing so. Okay, this one is an email. It says, Dr. Plenty, I'm a trans man who is now 22 weeks pregnant. Can trans men chest feed successfully or should I just plan on bottle feeding? If bottle feeding, which formulas do you recommend? It really depends on the man, right? Because sometimes when you have corrective, top corrective surgery and you've had basically mastectomies and you rid yourself of that breast tissue, it can damage the your mammary glands and you can have underproduction of milk. But a lot of trans men successfully breastfeed, so um, or excuse me, successfully chest feed. So I don't want to tell you to go straight to bottle feeding just because you don't have a lot of tissue there, um, because you don't need a lot of a lot of tissue to actually produce milk. Um, there are, are there are cis women that have very small breasts that can produce a whole bunch of milk. Um, likewise, there are trans men that chest feed and produce a lot of milk. It just depends on the man or woman. Okay. So I would always say, try, um, as soon as the baby delivers, just like we would anybody else, we would ask you if you want to chest feed or bottle feed. If you want to try to chest feed, um, basically within one to two hours of delivery, they will allow you, allow the baby to latch, um, Usually it takes about two to three days for milk production to occur. So don't get discouraged. This is very natural process, just like anybody else. And if you are not producing enough milk within a couple of days, then you could talk about supplementing or using donor milk um, to continue to feed your baby. But always try. If that's something that you want to do, um, I think you should be able to do it. Um, and then always do the bottle feeding as backup. And let's not forget, we keep feeding ourselves up. And whether you are uh, a trans man or a cis woman and you choose to chest feed or breastfeed, if you're an underproducer, obviously always ask for a lactation consultation because they can tell you ways to help increase your milk production. For um, trans men, you may need a little bit more supplementation. Um, you may need um, things like mother's milk to help increase your milk production um, because of the surgical correction you've had. But if you're um, but if you're producing any milk, then ask for a lactation consultant because they can help you um, with ways to help the baby latch, um, help with frequency of feeding, help make sure you don't have nipple soreness. Um, or irritation in that area and all the other factors that can lead to decreased breast milk production. And again, don't beat yourself up if you eventually have to switch to bottle feeding. A fed baby 
is best. I know we always say, you know, breast or chest is best. Well, a fed baby is best, right? So as long as you're giving your baby um, the nutrients it needs, then that's all that matters. And the difference between breast or chest milk and formula is going to be antibodies. So obviously the natural milk production we make with our bodies has antibodies from our immune system that can cross into the milk for the baby. Now with formula, you don't have that immune boost, okay? But nutritionally, your formula or bottle feeding is going to nutritionally be equivalent to chest or breastfeeding, okay? Without the antibodies. So that's the difference. And then you can always bond with your baby. I know that people say you have more bonding with with putting the baby to the chest or breast, but there are plenty of people that bond while they bottle feed. And, you know, your, uh, your provider and your lactation specialist can help you with bonding either or. Okay. So don't beat yourself up if you have to switch to bottle feeding, but I would not tell you just to jump straight to bottle feeding just because you've had top surgery. Okay. You can always try. And obviously if you're underproducing, then switch. That's my advice for that. Any other questions? No, we are out of questions today. So that was part one. We will talk about this subject again because we do have plenty of questions um, that come in about this. I mean, almost weekly, and I try to reply to them <laughs> as quickly as possible. Um, so thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope that you've learned more about non-binary pregnancies. Do me a favor and don't forget to rate the show on your preferred platform. And don't forget to comment. I like your comments. And it gives me feedback about what to talk about. If you've been listening, you know that I'm a co-author of Chronicles of Women in White Coats 3. Um, if you purchased the book already, thank you so much for your support. If you haven't, go to my link tree on any of my social media platforms. You can find it there. Um, and so thanks so much for making a girl feel so special. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com for slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.